Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my co-host, per usual, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. How you doing tonight, Elliot? I'm I'm annoyed with you because I can't seem to catch you in leaderboards. I shot 42 ducks in November, which I've <laughs> shot 70 all year, 42 of which were in November, and I'm still more than 50 points away from you in the leaderboard. So you keep that's doing just, just enough to keep me in your rearview mirror. I'm tired of it. That's just a couple Kansas limits right there. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's true. true. I put up 28 points in one hunt the other day. That's crazy. Not right. So five it's rigged. In a, I want to recount. Five breaks in a green wing. <laughs> I, th- I felt all good about it, and then I look on Marco Polo, and you had like four mallards or something. It's annoyed. Mm. Yep, I'm uh, I'm doing my best to stave you off, but our duck seasons are coming to an end. So I think uh, <laughs> I think it might uh, just be a matter of time. But I'm going to do my darndest to keep ahead of you. I don't know. The weather is looking terrible all week. It's mild weather, mild weather. And then I look on the weather channel and it's like, Oh, December outlook, warm temperatures all through December. I'm like, Oh, oh man, oh my gosh, please. please no. no, no, we've got tons of birds around. They're nocturnal. So I think I've got a idea to how to get at them, but they're nocturnal, but there's lots of mallards around. They're just hiding <laughs> nocturnally. You you kill them at dark if it's legal. You go and kill them <laughs> at night, but <laughs> they're in there. They're in there at night. Man, I'm here. I was hoping for the opposite. I was really hoping for a cold December because mm-hmm. our north zone, Indiana north zone, split. We have a nine day split, which when it's cold, it can be awesome. But like it's been two years in a row where the birds just show up, don't show up because it's not cold. And, like, if you just have a warm split, it's like you get the first day and that's it, like, on that second yeah. split. Then they're all back to their normal kind of, like you're saying, high-educated, nocturnal mm-hmm. birds. You need some cold weather, man. And uh, I know. Because all they do is they go to the city ponds and all that. If that stuff's froze up, man, we're in, we're in business. So I'm really hoping for a cold, cold December. And which we got like right here this next week, it should be a good way to end some of this hunting. But uh, if it warms up for the rest of December, I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> it's not looking good, but I mean, it seems like we've had one really cold winter in the last like seven eight years. I know, it's just year after year after year. You know, after year after you know how many years year. I've been hunting too, right? <laughs> it's like my Dude, whole childhood. It feels like we're year. just. <laughs> it feels like it sometimes. <laughs> But uh, my whole childhood, it felt like we just like we got hammered by snow and cold. And then like here, I'm like, let me go try this cold weather, cold weather hunting sport. And it's like, nope, we're just going to be warm every year. Though it's gorgeous weather. It's gorgeous. And I will say, I can't complain. I, I, I'm i having a good year. My average too. per hunt is better this year than it was last. So I can't complain too much. And we've had some I've been on a good streak, but I just. I see the writing on the wall with how last year went through a six week period like that, where it was just, that was through the flyways collective where 
it was just really, really tough. And, and I'm feeling that's about the cycle we're going about to go into. Yep. What's your, uh, what's your total hunt on the year? What's, what kind of hit up? Some uh, of that? 20. Oh, let me look real quick. I think, oh, let me filter it by the season. I've got 21 hunts. I got to get stupid dove out of there. Rats with them. Let me unclick <laughs> the rats with wings. Okay, no rats. Yeah, 21 hunts, 70 birds, 3.3 average. Nice. 19 mallard drakes, which that's that's really been climbing. I've, I've the last the last couple of weeks I've really started to put down some drakes. So There you go. That's good. good. Yeah. Well, I guess I got really good hunts. I got the advantage on my number of hunts, but that's uh <laughs> that's where my the only advantage I got cuz I'm at 31 hunts and my average bird per hunt is 2.1 or round up is 2.097. Um, mm-hmm. and my harvest is 65. I just, I guess I've got some higher bird, <laughs> higher number birds since all yeah, of mine have been, all uh, those ge- all those geese yeah. that are what? Five point birds. Yeah. And I've I mean, got... wood ducks and mallards too, but I don't have any teal mm-hmm. and your teal are what? Like two or three. I've got 18, 18 green wings and 17 blue wings. And they're, they're those are three point birds. And those are the rats with wings. No, no. <laughs> They're beautiful. I know. My Maybe, wingboard's coming. coming not in September. Today. Not in September. I haven't put, well, they're still beautiful little birds. But I, I've got. Uh, I haven't put my wingboard on any social media yet. But so each uh, each species I shoot, I'm taking the pretty wing from it and put it up on this whiteboard, and and so it's looking pretty cool. I got to get some pictures of it. I got a blue wing, and I got one hooded hooded mergansers or man, those drakes are gorgeous. They are. Did you get a wing? That'd be a cool wing for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They've got some their interior wings on there. I don't know what feathers those are, but the ones not at the tip of the wing, but the ones at the base. They've got these really, really cool black and white feathers. Actually, yeah. my wife made earrings out of them a few years ago. Mm. Uh, That's cool. They're really cool. They have yeah. really cool flank feathers as well. Same with like they're they're similar like what the wood ducks look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those uh, brown. brown. Yeah, I know what you're yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people yeah. use those especially for wood ducks. They use a lot of those like fly tying that kind of stuff so that's yeah it's a cool feather cool looking looking feather i don't shoot many if i could shoot like i I like to shoot like one hooded merganser drake a year just you can get it in your hands and look at all the magnificent they're beautiful magnificent little birds i won't shoot the hens but the drakes are just so cool looking that i like to take one now and then when i can just to see him look at the feathers oh yeah for sure definitely um definitely not an eater though (laughs) Yeah, you know, it just goes in there with the rest of the meat, and can't tell it different. Yeah. It probably depends yeah, we, how you, <laughs> you take a bite. You're like, oh, that's a little gamey, merganser. <laughs> yeah, but I've got a friend that he swears it's about hooded merganser. <clears throat> I mean, common mergansers. With common mergansers, years ago we shot a bunch of them, and I was cleaning those things, and oh my gosh, I was about to vomit. My dad was on the phone, and I kept trying to get his attention. I was like, these are disgusting. And uh, he finally got off the phone and he picked them up and just smelled them. And they, we don't do this very often, but we did ditch those. In the tr- I mean, they were disgusting. Those We never shot them again. Those common mergansers are so gross. But I've got a friend that swears if you just get all of the skin and the fat off them, they taste fine. But I don't know, man. When I was cleaning them, you cut into those and it was instant disgusting stench. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of those divers, yeah, are not the... They're not the best for for that kind of stuff, for sure. Yeah. 
So you got any uh, you got any big hunts coming up or anything? I've got yeah, two weekends in a row. So I'm I'm taking these ministers. Aiden and I are taking these ministers and their kids out to kind of like uh, it's like this program where they ministers that are kind of burnt out and just need a little trip. And so Aiden and I agreed to take those guys out and they're getting an Airbnb. They're paying for the Airbnb and everything. So we're staying there and hunting Saturday, Sunday. And then the next weekend is the Patreon hunt giveaway weekend with Matt Boshi and his um, friend. So I was just talking to him today. I'm really, really excited about, about that. That's awesome. A blast, which I don't know if, I don't think you're going to, I've got a feeling you're not going to make it. I already told Matt, I didn't think you're going to make it. Yeah, unfortunately, with surgery and all that kind of stuff, it it burn up the all the time I had kind of remaining for pretty much anything, you know. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. so he had kind of figured that. So yeah, that's too bad because he seems like a super cool dude, and I I was excited to get out there with with everybody too, and you know, it'll probably be the one Kansas trip that I missed that is just unbelievable. <laughs> It probably will be because I've got that little slew I've been hunting, and man, it's been pretty. I'm averaging five ducks a hunt in that little slew, and and uh, oh man, it's been it's been everything I could have hoped it would be. I've shot two limits out of there and two almost limits, so I'm hoping that's where I take him. Awesome. Yeah, my hunting front man. It's uh, we're, it's it man. It feels like every year we say this, but it just season goes too fast and. It's really, I really have a lot of opportunity ahead of me. So I don't need to keep saying this, but I keep thinking it because it's like um, these dates, the end of like regular parts of the season are like within reach. It's like, oh man, I can't mm-hmm. believe it's, oh man. So we got to, we got to remember to make the most of it. I still got a lot of, so a lot of good hunts ahead of me for the rest of the season, but uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not enjoying how close those dates look on the calendar to, to the end of the season. So into ducks. Yeah, it's almost late season, but I mean, I still have. It's late two. season for us. Gosh, if I go clear through um, dark goose season, I still have ten weeks left. That doesn't include yeah. snow goose, so it's hard to say it's too late when you have ten weeks left. Well, yeah, I mean, our goose goes to February, but our ducks. I mean, ducks for the South Zone of Michigan end this weekend, and then they have a, then two day split. So for my Michigan hunting, I have this weekend. And then the two day split, um, and for Indiana we got one more week beyond that, and then we got a late split for that too. So I still have duck hunting, but man, uh, more and more of my favorite places to hunt are up in Michigan, and those are going to be done. So, yeah, someone asked me um, every each flyway, like my where I want to like go to hunt, and I I listed Michigan on the because you know I'm not going to say like Louisiana or something. <laughs> Uh, I put Michigan on there, and I had guys from Michigan being like, oh, Michigan sucks. I was like, I don't know, man. That upper PA looks just the experience of that place. When you go up there, it looks gorgeous. And you go up there and shoot a few birds, I'd be plenty happy. Man, Michigan, Michigan awesome. doesn't suck. I think maybe it's just my uh, me uh, hunting other places that suck sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gives you a better scale. Yeah. So I like those marshes up there. You, I'm intrigued by them. I don't think you scout them enough off season. Though. I, I, I'd love to get up there and just scout and scout and scout over all weekend and just find a bunch of super secret holes. I'm, I'm too busy making content, man. I know, grinding it but out. Hey, my bet, my best hole I found this year by scouting like that, though. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I'd love to get up anyway, and do more scouting. 
Anyway, that whole area is really intriguing to me and looks really cool. So that was it my, is. That was my Mississippi Flyway um, bucket list. I'm glad to hear it. We'll make it happen. Yeah, we will. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Awesome. All righty. Well, today's podcast we have on um, Bill, the owner of Tetra. He's an awesome guest, awesome stories, um, and we're, we're super excited to, to have him on. So stay tuned for that one. Gonna be a, it's gonna be a good one talking about the cold hard truth. Um, before that, guys, let's get a quick word from our partners, and then we'll jump right into the meat of the podcast. So first off, <clears throat> first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Onyx. Onyx has been huge this year for my hunting. I actually have surpassed the number of missions I have in Michigan versus Indiana now. Um, all thanks to Onyx, I've spent a couple weekends after hunts. Just going around, make pins, and then knock on doors. You can click right on there on the map. You see where birds are going. You find a spot. It tells you the landowner. This last one I just got last weekend, I had to click on it. The guy didn't live there. I had to drive a few miles away. Those are the hard ones to find. But when you have it right there in the palm of your hand, you click on it, click on that property, type in the tax address, drive there, talk to the farmer. It was super cool. He actually gave me permission. So... That's awesome. Check them out, guys, on X, uh, on mobile for Android, Apple, or the web. Because I want to let you know, if you hear us talking about these companies, whether it's on X or Bandit or Motion Ducks, we don't represent companies unless we believe in the product. I had someone um, just message me today about Motion Ducks. He's like, man, do you really use that? Do you, do you really use that? I'm like, yeah, I use it. I use it all the time. It's like, is it really good? I'm like, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. If I if I talk about it being good, it's because it's good. And the Motion Ducks decoy spreader is a game changer. I I would never not want to have it. Anytime that the wind is low, it's small spread with the Motion Ducks decoy spreader, and it works. It works. You will kill more ducks if you use that Motion Ducks decoy spreader than if you use if you don't use it. You will. So it's a new motion system. You can use a four or seven or even more than seven duck spreader. It's lifelike motion. It actually looks like a little flock of ducks swimming around. It's easy to set up. It's not a pain in the butt like the traditional jerk rigs. The product code is all caps, Duck on 2020 for 10% off. Go and pick it up. If you don't have one, do it now. It's it, You will never regret having that product. Awesome. Also, like to talk a little bit off about freelance hunt stats, guys, and the Patreon group as well. Um, that's something that we just talked about. Me and Elliot have been tracking it. Man, it's it's so cool to go and look at it and compare it to last season versus this season. Um, I'm actually four birds off of my total harvest count from last year. I'm two geese and two ducks off of each one. So I think it's safe to say that I will surpass last year's numbers. But it's just cool, personal goals, that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, the new thing we kind of added this year, or well, we added that last year, but, um, is the leaderboards. So being able to see kind of where you fall, we've made a cool little point system that Elliot kind of generated from, um, you know, based off of what him and him and his dad did, um, just as kind of like a friendly competition throughout the year. Um, so it's, it's just like one step above just pure harvest numbers because everybody really values shooting a drake over a hen or a mallard over like a ring bill or, or whatever. So ring neck. Um, but 
that being said, there's there's just a lot of cool things on there. And not only that, you can jump over to the Patreon and get the two for one over there. We got the deal at the Patreon where it's uh, the $3 mark gets you the hunt stats as well. And everything we get from that Patreon, we just pump right back into our hunt stats and building that, making it cooler, adding features, and we're improving it and growing it all the time. So check them out, guys. It's Freelance, freelance Hunt Stats online freelancehuntstats.com or on the on the app which is new um just just search hunt stats and it's a little orange duck icon you won't miss it yep and guys uh jordan and i actually had just got some new banded product a lot of their stuff had been back ordered and it came in right before thanksgiving so you guys might check out banded.com for some of the aspire ignite gear that's been back ordered um we've been Marco pulling each other and saying, oh, check this out. Check this jacket out. It's just great stuff. We just It's just really, really great stuff. Bandit.com, and there you can access Bandit, Avery, GHG, Avery Sporting Dog. So don't forget, if you're in need of any waterfowling gear, that's where you should go, Bandit.com. Awesome. And then our partner for tonight's podcast is Tetra. Um, so talk a little bit about them. Um, Elliot and I have both been using the Alpha Shield product from them, and it's great. Um, you know, uh, some things to hit on that, man, one out of every nine waterfowlers are using hearing protection. It needs to be more. And I've been in the habit in the past of not using hearing protection. Elliot can say the same thing about him and his hearing loss. So it's something that um, Bill and the guys over at Tetra are trying to change the culture of it, trying to change it as something that that's needed. And it is the more you think about it, the more you, you hear about it. Um, and you guys are going to hear a lot about that on the podcast tonight. And man, he, he I, I don't know how to say it exactly, but he, <laughs> he's just super convicted about it and for good reason. So stay tuned to hear all of that stuff from him. He's going to do a better job selling it than I am just, just from his knowledge base. Um, definitely super cool hearing from him. Visit tetrahearing.com. Um, it's spelled T E T R A hearing.com. And then, last but not least, we got have another. Have you tried it? Yet? Whoa, 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 whoa! Have you have you tried the Manscaped yet? <laughs> have I tried it? Have, um, are you officially Manscaped? I I could I think I could uh, um, go a couple notches in more <laughs> <laughs> to be officially Manscaped. I think it's a good product, man. It is. It's a good product for sure. Uh, definitely, definitely super. Does that mean that you've tried it? <laughs> I'm thoroughly impressed. I mean, the razor, I mean, you can use it on your beard. You can use it on your eyebrows. You can use it on your, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. All sorts of stuff. But it's, it's. Uh, I am impressed with the product, I'll say. Awesome. I, I'm impressed with it. Yeah, definitely, definitely solid. Uh, they got the new Lawnmower 4.0. Uh, we talked about that last time. Um, it is the leader in men's below the below the waist grooming. And they offer a precision engineered tool for your family jewels, as Elliot likes to call it, the Oki <laughs> Oki Jewels. <laughs> your um, Oki Jewels. I've never had a oak, poison oak on my Well, jewels. if you've never had you, you're not living if you have. <laughs> um, but I yeah. wonder if, if the lawnmower 4.0 helps prevent getting uh, poison oak on your testicles. I don't know. It seems like that'd be less protection, but uh, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. It would definitely, uh, well, it helped with the maintenance afterwards. But uh, 
uh, join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaping with this exclusive offer for 20% off. Um, use the code DuckGun over there at Manscaping. It's DuckGun, all caps, no spaces, over there at Manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DuckGun10 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. And use the code DuckGun10. No spaces, all caps. Unlock your confidence and always use is the right duck tool. Duck gun ten or the duck gun? That's a duck gun ten. Just just duck gun. One time. Just duck gun. All okay. caps. Duck. No spaces. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tool for the job with Manscaped. Alrighty, let's go ahead and jump in today's podcast. Alrighty, folks, we are back and we got Bill with us. Bill Dickerson, how are you doing tonight, Bill? Been doing doing fantastic, guys. How about you? Doing great, doing great. It's uh, you know an awesome time of the year for waterfowl hunting, so um, we definitely can't complain. We just wish uh, you know that season wasn't uh, <laughs> wasn't too short. So uh, you know we we still got some time ahead of us, but uh, it feels like it's it's kind of it's uh, some some of it's coming to end. I'll know although. Down in Tennessee, I know you guys are are just kind of getting started with some of your openers. But uh, um, to give you a proper introduction, you are the owner of Tetra. So how how you doing tonight? Oh, fantastic! Uh, I mean, it's you know it's funny how you say like what it's about. It's about Fourth of July when we start thinking about God. We can't wait for duck season to open, and then um, and and we just had opener last weekend here in Tennessee, and then I think everyone in their head saying like. Man, I wish it didn't open this quick. <laughs> I wish I wish it opened about two or three weeks later. Yeah, we're we're certainly short on birds down here. I don't know where uh, what your season's been like so far, but um, it was a pretty quiet opener for an awful lot of guys down here in Tennessee. Mm. Yeah, I think it was milder for us as well. Kind of at the start of the season, milder temperatures, but you know, here recently it's starting to get colder, starting to freeze up, um, but hopefully it gets even colder and, and pushes more of those birds down the line to you. I know uh, we're both in the Mississippi flyway. So um, if it gets colder up here, it's going to keep pushing birds down to you. Hopefully. Well, I'm kind of thinking the good Lord moved that a little bit to the West. Cause it seems like all, a lot of that flyway uh, is, is hitting Oklahoma and a lot of those States further West. But um, I guess yeah. the biologists tend to tend to tend to differ with that. They say it hasn't <laughs> changed that much. Yeah, the the dirty dogs down there in the the central flyway. Elliot's one of those guys, so he he knows all about that flyway. I don't know. The birds are pretty still. I, I hear they're all up in the Dakotas. <laughs> they're always somewhere that's not where we're at. Yeah. That's how- <laughs> if you're in Oklahoma, they're in Kansas. If you're in Kansas, they're in Nebraska. If you're in Nebraska, they're in the Dakotas. <laughs> if you're in the Mississippi you flyway, know, the flyway's to, uh... changed. <laughs> not, not 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 to not to start chasing squirrels too early into the show here, but um, you know, speaking of Oklahoma, I just had I just had my first couple weeks ago. I had my my, my first waterfall hunt uh, over there, and um, man, what a cool experience! But it, it was funny how you know, man, we shot a couple. I shot my first really beautiful cotton top. And, uh, and it, that was, that really looked good and, and something I was really proud of and, um, not my first ever widgeon, but I haven't shot very many. And, uh, and like, I was all excited and those boys were looking at me like, 
it's just a damn widget. It was like the same thing. Like, you know, we, we finally shot, I think we were about 18 or 19 birds into the hunt and we finally shot uh, a couple mallards and uh hen and a drake. And, um, everyone was just like going nuts over the green head. And I'm like, man, you boys need to come over and hang out on the Mississippi. Cause you, you know, you kind of almost, you almost get sick of shooting those green heads. Yeah, that's about all we get, right? What what state did you say you're in? Uh, it was o- Oklahoma. Oklahoma. First time ever hunting over there. Yeah, nice. so it was a bunch of bunch of farm ponds and um, mixed bag shot shot a little bit of everything. We had teal and gadwell and, and uh, widgeon, and um, I did shoot my first lesser. Um, so it was awesome. uh, it was an awesome trip, but I, I guess we're I- supposed to talk about that stuff later. <laughs> Are there a lot of mallards in Oklahoma right now? Out of curiosity, there 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 were not, and um, mm-hmm. that's why they were they were getting all geeked out over the couple that we shot. Um, yeah, yeah. But those uh, we've, got, we've got quite a those, few. Those, right those, now, I saw some I saw some massive uh, widgeon feeds in in peanuts, right, in in uh, huh. peanut uh, fields and. A kid growing up in Michigan and living in Tennessee just isn't used to seeing that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen that either. Yeah. Yeah, Widget's been hard to come by this year. I have not shot a single – you have not shot at a single Widget this entire season, which is really, really unusual. I don't know what the deal is. We've had tons of Gadwall, but the Widget just have – I don't know whether I've just missed them on the hunts I've been on. I just have not even shot at one the whole year. It's an odd year. But usually it's a big part of your hunt. I mean, typically you say a big part. I mean, I'll shoot. Yeah, I mean, I shoot six or seven out of eighty to a hundred a year. So you know, it's less than ten percent of the birds. But okay, it's still okay. they still make up a part of our mixed bags. You know, and it's nice. You're always looking for that cotton top because I'm I'm with you. I if if I'm not going to shoot a mallard drake or a pintail drake, those cotton tops are right there. I mean, they're just yeah. I'll shoot that as a bonus duck any day. You see that big white on the head, boy. That's takes my attention. <laughs> beautiful birds I, I don't know i i grew up um my, I, I you know my my i cut my teeth duck hunting up on the saginaw bay and standing in cattails and you know just hunting little holes and sitting on a muskrat house and it was right off the big lake and i mean it, we just shot mixed bags all the time i, I didn't know there's anything else right <laughs> and um and and everything from you know you know, beautiful divers to, uh, you know, to kind of all anything that anything that's coming in. And, um, so I, I thought that's what duck hunting was. And man, I, I moved to Tennessee and, and first started hunting Western Tennessee and got over introduced to Arkansas and, and the boot heel and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I was very quickly educated that, uh, that there's a lot of, a lot of thought process out there that, that there's one duck and that's the green headed mallard and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that gets in the way. And, uh, and I still, I, I get as excited over a beautiful, you know, uh, beautiful Drake Gadwell as, as I do a green head. And so, Oh yeah. That's the cool part about the sport, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is kind of funny how, how different areas kind of have a little bit different take on the waterfowl culture and they just have almost like a hierarchy of ducks. And I, and, and I, I have, I have that myself as well to some degree, but it's more like you said, like, uh, I, I do like shooting mixed bags, you know, uh, uh, and especially I like shooting mixed bags 
of puddlers. But at the end of the day, man, it is there is something about that mallard, that green head that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it's the way they work. It's their size, but then it's the way they work. I mean, you know, you get fifteen. Yeah. We had a we had a day Saturday where we didn't do very well. And we we're out until about one o'clock and we had only shot a few mallards and some green wing teal. And we had a group of fifteen mallards just come over for about ten minutes and just circle and circle and circle and circle and there's just something so special about that. And I love, love all species of ducks, and I want to shoot all species of ducks, but there's just something so cool about working a group. Even if they don't commit, it's just so special. So it's more special when well, they finish. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say when they finish, it gets really special. But um, half yeah. the time, I don't know if, if they're working you or if we're working them. But, um, yeah, man, I know yeah. exactly what you mean. and. Yeah. And seeing them get to do their thing, and um, uh, I, I took on my son's fall break here in early October. Um, took him back up to Michigan, and and went and stayed with mom and checked in on her and and everything up there. And um, and I, and that the whole purpose was to take him back to kind of the stomping grounds where I grew up hunting. And um, so we had we had three or four days of just some awesome hunting up there, and. Uh, and we we're standing it was the it was saturday night our last hunt and we're probably about 45 minutes from last shooting hour and um we're in a in a field of flooded corn and there were there were two birds that just kept working and working and working and man my son is he's he's 18 and he's pretty much a stud on the on the duck call um, way better than his old man. I don't know where he got it all from, but um, he and he, and he was just working these birds, and it was it was just funny the different. You talk about like old bull and young bull, and like here, my son Brendan could just it was just absolutely working the birds, but it was it was something that they did, and like how they went wait they went about fifty or sixty yards further back. I think they made five or six passes around us, and they're cutting us short. And then on this last one, they, they came and he kind of stopped, he stopped working. I'm like, dude, stay on them, stay on them, stay on them. They're, they're going to turn. And he's like, and I think he said, you said that four turns ago, dad. <laughs> and I'm like, no, this one is it. It's because they swung way down, way, way upwind. And, and like just in the difference between like knowing what they're doing and sure enough, they cut it and they came, they came right in. And I got to finish this story because it was one of the coolest things I've had duck hunting. And so two birds came in, locked up, and they just beat down. And and all I all I remember hearing was I got left. And um, and he pulled up and shot his left. I shot mine right. The dog it ended up. I I, I got the Drake. Our dog went out and made a great retrieve. Um. And he's very, very much uh, not a soft mouth. And it's probably the hardest thing. He's five years old. I just, I can't get him to just stop crunching on these damn birds. He brings, he brings the drape back. And we kind of get out in the decoys and meeting them. And Brendan walks out and picks up the hen. And, uh, and I could tell just by the way he was walking back and how he was kind of holding it, holding her by the foot. (laughs) And uh, he's like, what'd you get? You got the drape? I'm like, yeah. He goes, Look at this! And it was his first band, awesome. and uh, and it was the first band he's ever shot, and it couldn't have like it couldn't have ended a, the hunt any better, right? 
And, um, and I guess that's the whole point you're talking about working the birds. And, and there's a difference between, you know, knowing what they're doing when they're up there and they're flying and how they're reacting and how they're reacting to your calls. And that's what, that's what drives us nuts, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah. That's a super yeah. cool story too. Did you, uh, did you get uh, the band info too on that? Got the whole band info. Um, found out matter of fact, uh, it was, it, it which is even cooler. Um, it was, uh, it was, um, banded, backed by a team just outside of but it was a team of uh of biologists and biology students we actually traced it all the way trace traced it all the way back to um from michigan state university which is which is where i went to college so awesome uh even, even cooler and yep. we we're about 200 miles away from there so uh she didn't have to fly very far far to die but um it was a cool story, and the uh, young man's first band, you know, that that keeps the juices going for him. <clears throat> yeah, that's a memory uh, that neither one of you is going to forget, so that's super cool. Oh, you got that right, man. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead. Let's jump to that lightning round. These are some quick questions and quick answers that uh, help people get to know you better as a waterfowl hunter. So we'll jump right into that. But uh, first one we got is what type of gun do you shoot? <laughs> Well, up until this year, uh, it was a Benelli SV3, um, but I pulled out, I resurrected my um, uh, my very first gun that I was given at 12 years old, and uh, a Remington 1100 16 gauge, and finally oh, wow. found some 16 gauge uh, full choke barrel, and <laughs> um, and that's that's what I was hunting with. That uh, it was kind of I went complete old school. That's what I grew up. That's why I pulled it out when we went on that hunt I was just talking about. And, uh, man, I forgot what a smooth little three and eight, or two and three quarter shells and, and just super simple. Super cool. So, yeah. Uh, what what uh, shot size are you running for ducks? Two. And for geese? BB. Awesome. And then uh, what is your favorite terrain for duck hunting or favorite uh, habitat? Yeah. Uh, oh boy. Tough one. Uh, I like, I like standing in water. Um, I grew up hunting a lot of flooded corn and I kind of, and, but I green timber, like it just takes your heart away. Right. <laughs> so I guess I gotta go green timber. Nice. I've, I've yet to experience that one yet with the green timber, but I've done a lot of the, the cattail and that kind of stuff you're talking about or flooded corn. Haven't done as much yeah. either, but, um, Definitely some cool ones out there. And then, uh, do you have a preference on duck or goose? Uh, duck. There we go. It's, 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 that shouldn't be, uh, and it's mostly because of what we were just talking about, boys. It's like, there's so many cool different species and like everyone's different and it seems like everyone kind of leaves a story with you. So Mm -hmm. uh, I I would go duck. Nice. And then, uh, do you have a, a, if you, if you had to pick, on a cloudy day or sunny day, which one you're going hunting on? Oh, give me sunny blue sky with at least eight mile an hour wind. And, uh, it's, it's kind of the exact, it's, it's not what I grew up duck hunting with. It's like, <laughs> it couldn't be nastier weather, but, uh, I've, I've found that you can, you can get what you want on sunny blue sky. <clears throat> yeah. It's kind of, it's, it goes back to that culture thing with the mallards, but it seems like in different areas, people have a different opinion one way or the other on the cloudy versus sunny. And I'm, I'm, uh, I feel like I'm undecided still, but 
I'll, when it comes down to it, I'm a weekend warrior, so it doesn't matter what it's going to be. I'm just going to be out there anyway. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it, and you can't change it. You can't control it. Yep. I guarantee you, I'll, I'll never not hunt because of the weather. Uh-huh. If I got a chance to hunt. <laughs> right. Yeah. You'll just be disappointed. <laughs> You'll be like, <laughs> you make <laughs> You might go complain about it, but I'd rather be out there doing it rather than sitting around thinking about doing it. So. Yep. yep, it's like this this week we got a little bit of a warm-up coming, and I'm like, man, I wish it was going to be cold, but I'll still be out there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, it's, you, you just, it's self-protection. You're setting yourself up for some good excuses, you know, if, if it doesn't turn out how you want it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I need those excuses for the wife anyway when she – Sees me come back empty-handed or something. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's go ahead. Um, we, we've kind of heard a little bit about you as a hunter, but um, if you're going to introduce yourself, you know, as a person and, and a hunter, how would you introduce yourself? Oh man, that's a great question, Jordan. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm best introducing myself as. Uh, as God's disciple, Lisa's husband, and my kid's dad, and uh, and chasing anything in the woods um, that God's in God's creation that that all that. So those are those are my priorities, and that's my big triangle of uh, you know God's wife, kid, God that was not wife. It was uh, there's no F on that. Kids, <laughs> kids, wife, God. Gotcha. Uh, awesome. And, um, yeah, and that's, you know, I, 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 I don't really, I think I'm a, I'm a classic ADD hunter. I, I absolutely love, uh, whatever's in season and what's ever kind of at the peak, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I just, I love spending time in the woods. I've, um, it's way cooler to, to introduce, um, you know, whether duck hunting or, or bow hunting or whatever we do, dove hunts, um, you know, I, I can't wait for that first dove hunt on September 1st and I can't wait for opening season of almost, almost every season. And, um, and so I'm not a, I'm not a purist by any means with that. So <clears throat> awesome. That's, that's cool to hear on all fronts and all that stuff you kind of talked about there. So Definitely, definitely cool. And I can agree with you on a lot of that for sure. So, um, but you know, one thing we want to talk about too is, is Tetra. Um, and that's gotta be, uh, a big part of your life too. Well, well, it sure is. Um, and it's, and it's been, you know, I, I feel like I've been, I've been waiting 20, 28, 29 years for my life to really kind of come together and that, everything up until this point is, it's just been practice and warm up, and, and it's served me well. And, you know, a big part of what makes Tetra Tetra is, is, you know, what I do as a living and what I'm trained in. And, and that's, I'm, I'm an audiologist. And at the end of the day, I'm just a, an, an ear geek or a sound geek. Um, and, and that has a big, big play in my love for the outdoors and love for nature and, um, and all the cool stuff that we, that we hear once we get out of the house and go sit in the woods and the swamps and the fields. Um, but I also make it very, it's very purposeful that I didn't lead my question that, you know, how do I, how do I introduce myself? And that, you know, I'd, I think it's important and one of the things that i've always told my kids and i told the graduate students that i used to teach is you know like you don't say like hi i'm bill i'm an audiologist 
right? Like I, I never start with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that's what you do. It's not who you are. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yet if you ask about Tetra, it's, it's an absolute big part. Um, in fact, the massive part of Tetra because what Tetra is is, is, is the blending of all my professional experience and my formal training and education um, with my passion uh, and my love for the outdoors and that it's just always been a part of my life. I don't remember not hunting with, with dad or grandpa. Like I just, I, 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 I don't have many memories. I mean, I, I got a, a couple, I remember like Christy Gissler's, you know, birthday when, when I fell and busted up my head and had to get my first stitches and I was like five <laughs> years old. Like, I mean, it's not that I don't have any memories, but like all my happy moments uh, that I really think of are, you know, we're, we're surrounding the cool stuff that we do outdoors. And, um, <clears throat> And then I kind of fell in love with the ear in college and, uh, and kind of what it represents and how it connects us as, as human beings and societies. And it's, it's how we communicate and express our thoughts. And, 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 and it's sure as heck how we communicate in the woods, whether we're talking to a big gobbler uh, or a bull elk or uh, a Susie Mallard, right? Um, I mean, sound in, in communication is, is a massive part of our connection and our enjoyment in the outdoors. All the laughter at, at you know, whether it's deer camp or duck camp, uh, the, the, the serious truck, the serious truck rides that you have with, you know, um, with your dad and your grandpa and, and, and your kids. And uh, I mean, I'll, I'll always say that I don't. I don't know if I kind of wuss out on a lot of opportunities as a dad, but I'm telling you my, some of my most awesome best conversations that I've ever had with any of my three kids is when we're doing something in the outdoors. And I don't know if I just kind of let down my guard and that's when we, you know, that's when we have kind of those deeper, those deeper conversations, but, um, and it's all sound related and it's all ear related. It's all, it's, to me, it's how we, so what Tetra represents is, is taking, how we connect through everything in our lives through hearing and, and bringing that and making very, very good, very sophisticated, very premium sound quality products uh, so that you can have a normal, natural, you know, as close to perfection, uh, you know, hearing experience in across any pursuit, uh, no matter if you're an upland hunter or a waterfall hunter or a big game hunter what you need to hear and how you need to protect the ear are very, very different uh, across all those pursuits. And in, in the outdoor industry, <clears throat> outdoor gear has come a really, really long way in a rather fast period of time, right? I mean, the, the weapons and the ammo and the clothing and the boots and everything that we wore, uh, you know, 30 years ago, Seems like it was pretty pretty long in the tooth, kind of Neanderthalish <laughs> compared to how sophisticated our gear is, you know, in the last decade or so. And in ear gear has just never it's never kept up with that. And um, and that's exactly why why we put together Tetra and kind of came out of came out of the clinic environment uh, and and started focusing on like. Big, big picture, Mother Nature will make enough hearing loss, right? I mean, uh, if, if we're not going to put audiologists or ear doctors out of business um, <laughs> by preventing people from getting hearing loss. And so 
if the first 30 years of my life has been about restoring the delight of hearing as a, as an audiologist, and if, if I get to finish the last 10 or 20 years of my life preventing hearing loss, um, or at least pushing it back a couple decades, maybe, um, then I, I'm, I'm super pumped about that. And the, and these first three years have been kind of beyond, beyond my imagination. It's, um, we're, we're, we're currently at about two and a half, a little over two and a half years into this, uh, where our projections were at, at year five. And so, and that's, that's not so much about Tetra. What that, that tells me is that we, we have filled a big void that, that outdoorsmen, hunters and shooters, uh, you know, absolutely recognize the value and the benefit for and, and have been waiting for. And so, <clears throat> Definitely, definitely, super cool to hear hear all that, and um, definitely can um, can agree with a lot of it. And and one thing, kind of to touch on with your product that that makes it super cool is the ability to still hear all the stuff while you're wearing it. You can hear the outdoors and all that, so you don't lose kind of what you're saying. You know, it's something that uh, you, you take for granted um, when you have your hearing. You can hear everything. You can hear the birds. You can hear people talking all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's scary to, you know, think about, about losing that. We all as hunters have been around older hunters. Uh, you talk about, you know, um, that it's been more than just mother nature. That's, that's, uh, increased their hearing loss. And, and as hunters, you just know that you've, you've seen it. You've seen the old guys that you've hunt with. And, uh, you know, we, none of us want to, want to be, um, in that situation. Elliot, you want to, you want to, touch on your hearing a little bit yeah i mean i'm i'm textbook for this whole situation in my 20s my my dad always kind of urged me to wear ear earplugs and i put them in i couldn't hear anything and it drove me nuts it ruined my experience and so at some point i just you know it's easy to say in your 20s you know screw it if i have a little bit of hearing loss later in life i'm gonna make that trade and that's what i openly decided i decided that i'm just gonna make the trade well now here i am 48 and especially with people wearing masks, I can't hear what people are saying. I had no idea how much I was relying on on lips to actually understand what people were saying. And I've got this irreversible damage, and it doesn't greatly affect my day-to-day life, probably more than I, than I think that it does. But more and more and more, I have to ask people to repeat what they say. Because I've gone 30 years of waterfowl hunting without wearing any protection at all. Until I got Tetra in the, in the last two years. And it's, it's just, I mean, it's just not worth it. It's so easy in your 20s to say you're going to make the sacrifice. But then when you have to live it out in your late 40s and 50s, it's, I mean, the chickens come home to roost, you know. And it's just, it's absolutely not worth it. It's not worth it to, to lose um, part of your hearing and have to deal with that. My dad hasn't worn protection either. He's in his 70s. And now he's got hearing aids and and. I mean, you just can't sacrifice it. It's just not worth it. It's just not. Oh, geez, Elliot. Like, you, you just said so much right there. <laughs> um, it, it's, I mean, you're spot on. And, um, and, and that's really the, the, the culture of, you know, and the mission uh, of what Tetra's trying to do is, 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 to, is to try to change that communication and try to change that conversation and, and in the end, change the culture, and so that 
for too long we have allowed ourselves to believe and it doesn't matter if it's recreation and you're having fun or whether it's occupational and it's how you make your living and you're around it you know five six seven days a week as a home builder or a factory worker or a truck driver or i mean there's 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 so much noise in industrial countries that we just overexpose our to our, our ears to right and it doesn't matter if we go out you know on the weekends and listen to music or if you play some music at home or you know for the last three decades everyone's been plugged in um, you know, you, you can't, you can't find a, a, a teenager these days that doesn't have, or, or older, it's not just kids. Like everyone's got something in their ear. Our, our ears are constantly being bombarded by auditory input and, and much of it is, is too loud. And, and the, the science is super simple with hearing loss. It, it's a consistent recipe. It's, it's intensity. How loud is it in duration? How, how long are you exposed to it? And, and that's why, you know, this time of year, uh, a, a backpack blower, uh, as you're getting rid of all the leaves and you're running that for, you know, 30 to 75 minutes, um, is, is, is as damaging or more damaging than going out and shooting your first volley of ducks unprotected. Right. I mean, that, that, that fraction of a second shotgun blast or rifle blast you know, can be as damaging as a five minute mud motor boat ride into the duck blind. And, and that's really what we're trying to do is just, is just bring the awareness and not enough kids are being, are being raised with the, the worry about protecting your ear from too much sound. And we've, we've come a long way with health and wellness. We got, I mean, I remember when I was my, my son's age, or he just turned 18. So two years ago when he started driving and, and I remember when I started driving and my parents used to ask me to please wear my seatbelt. Right. And, um, <clears throat> my kids have grown up in a vehicle. They don't know what it's like to be in a moving vehicle unrestrained. I mean, they, they don't remember coming home from the hospital, but from the first car ride they ever had, you know, I mean, heck, we pr- pretty much wrapped them up in bubble in bubble wrap and in three car seats. And, like, and I've never driven so slow in my life as the first yeah. ride from the hospital with my little girl. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just, it's just very different. And, you know, you, I, I grew up in, in Northern Michigan skiing every weekend and man, it was a little bit of a winter coat and Levi blue jeans and, and, and wearing a helmet while you're downhill skiing was never thought of. Well, man, they look at you like you have three eyes if you go out west or anywhere skiing these days and you don't have a helmet on, right? And and there's no worry. You know, I, I tell this story all the time that the, the months before we launched, commercially launched Tetra, and my son was barely 16 and got in, the, got in his buddy's truck and they, they went out to Bass Pro uh, to buy flies because they got permission to fish a, a little farm pond here outside of Nashville and they wanted to catch bass on fly rods. So they were going out to buy some poppers. Coming back on I-40 and they were in a six-car pile-up and they're about in the middle of it. And, I mean, I, my, I just about threw up when I got the phone call 
and was tearing out to the to the accident scene. And you get there, and kid was driving his mother's Durango, and you look at it, and you'd think like, "There's no way anyone survived in almost all the vehicles." And thank God, unbelievably so, nobody was hurt. And and Ben and my son Brendan had some scrapes on their face from the airbags going off, and and they were scared. They were scared to death, right? Um, but but nobody was hurt seriously. And, and the only reason that those boys and everyone else weren't hurt were for two reasons. It was because of airbag deployment and because of they were wearing a seatbelt. And if those two things weren't there, I would have had the worst day of my entire life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I can't even fathom it. And, and, and I look at that, it was technology and behavior change. And, and that's why those boys at 16 had their seatbelts on because there was, there was no problem in this because it's what you do, right? You're not, you're not a wussy. You're not a sissy. You're not a mama's boy. If you're putting on your seatbelt, right? It's just what you do. And thank Mm -hmm. God there's technology that was there to, to, to automatically be there to protect them. And the overlap with that guys and, and what we're doing with that, Tetra is the exact same thing. We're a technology company that's trying to change behavior. And if we change the behavior of like, just get something in your ear and there's now technology that is out there that can give you an awesome hearing experience while you're hunting, then hopefully we get good stories like how that accident turned out. Right. Mm -hmm. But it, it comes to those. That's what we're, that's what we need to do is we need to change the conversation, change behavior, and then we have to have technology there that gives them no excuses that there's, there's, there's no sacrifice by putting something in your ear. And, and that's why your role is so freaking important in this. Like you just work really hard. You do awesome work. Uh, and, and, and all the guys just like you. And, and, and I love that you're a medium of education and fun and laughter and jokes and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, you're, you're engaging people and you're, you're educating people. And it may be how to, you know, kill more doves or more ducks or get a bigger deer or, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, you're educating, you're, you're informing people. And, and that's why I certainly support all the work that you two do and all the guys like you, because we can't, I can't sit up and bang my chest. And, and, and a lot of times they won't listen to the guy who owns the company, right? Um, but you've earned the platform. You've earned the respect of so many of your listeners. And, uh, and, and that's why I think it's so important. Awesome. Yeah, definitely super cool and all that. Um, guys, there's a, there's a, a video uh, that you guys put out, Tetra, um, put out. And it's called The Cold Hard Truth. And um, your guy, Jonathan, sent it over to me. And I watched that today and it's, it's a lot about, it's touching on a lot of the things you just talked about. Um, we'll put that up in the fellowship on our Facebook group, but honestly it was, it was pretty crazy just to watch it. And you guys did really good with all the sound <laughs> bombarding you while you watch that video. So, and it's like, you know, and then the ringing too, it's like, man, that's that. Yeah. That's uh, that hits home on a lot of the things. So um, we'll put that up guys in the fellowship. So you, you guys can check that out as well. Um <clears throat> But, uh, you know, touch on, 
you know, touch on the the products you guys have a little bit. Um, with with the the Alpha Shield is what me and Elliot both run. Um, do you want to touch on on that a little bit, Bill? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it for a long time, and and again, as as a hearing doctor, I, I've I've either had everything possible in my ear. Uh, I, I've I've just had a I've had a really awesome ability to look at the entire landscape of, of products and technology, right? I either sold it, used it, or tested it. Um, I had three different students do their doctoral projects on hearing protection products and, and evaluate, you know, a, a dozen different products type stuff. And I either had it in my kids' ears or my friends' ears. And, and it was just, it was just historically a disappointment and all of that disappointment was on the listing side. Like everything that's out on the market protects the ear more than good enough. Right. And, and, and so the idea wasn't that it needed to have a better protective system, What it needed to have was a better, what the market was lacking in my opinion. And I think what our success is, has has shown overwhelmingly is that the market was lacking in a a good listening experience and and the idea of protecting the ears is is rather easy I mean, the good lord gave you an index finger and if you get it in your ear far enough you can pretty much protect <laughs> it from anything that that's going to go on around you right um the problem is that you don't necessarily know when that boom or when that noise is going to go off and you need your finger in your ear um in and so our entire goal was to create a, a, a premium listing experience. And so we went back and we sourced very, very high-end, expensive um, components that are, that are typically put into very high-end FDA-regulated hearing aids. And so um, and, and that's, a, that's a part of our, uh, of, you know, my history as an audiologist between, you know, fitting and then on the manufacturing side for six or seven years of just of, of knowing how to build these circuits um, and, and knowing where to get the components so that you have a very premium sound experience. I mean, the, the, the difference between putting a $180 microphone, you know, in as one of your components versus uh, a $8 microphone um, ch- changes your listening experience tremendously. And so the idea is that we 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 set out to create something where you did not have to go in and get a, a custom ear impression, that it didn't have to be a custom product, that you didn't have to make an appointment with an audiologist or an ear doctor or some clinic and wait two or three weeks to go in and get it, and then and then have to send it in and you know wait three weeks to have the custom product built. And so our goal really was to set out and to create a universal fit product that you could you know that would fit and our target was to fit eight out of ten years and um the end of october we ran we ran our our data reports and we were at about 7400 devices out in the field and we were still above a 96 percent fit rate on the universal product and part of that i think so cool is i would have bet against that I mean, three years ago, five years ago, I would have bet against that. that there's no way that you can take 100 years and fit 96 of them with the same product. As an audiologist, I, just, I would have taken that bet all day long. I would have gone borrowed money to take that bet. 
And, uh, <clears throat> and so I'm so proud that, you know, we tweaked and we tweaked and reformed and, and just kept working to, to get that form factor uh, to where, where the universal fit, the alpha shield that you were talking about, um, which is what you've been able to use, that, that we fit 96% of all the years. And so the idea is that you could, you know, you could, you know, quit listening to this, jump on our website, take a hearing test. Uh, place your order, submit the hearing test results. Tomorrow morning we walk in the office and, and we take, we go, go to the shelf, take our blank chip, the blank form factor. And within a few hours, we could have everything built, assembled, custom program for your specific hearing loss and your specific hunting pursuits and shipped. Uh, and you'll have it in two days. And we thought like, well, that's going to turn the whole world upside down, right? And for much part, it has. But at the end of the day, 34% of our sales are still custom products. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so as good as the universal fit is, it is, and we've, we've won, we've won two or three just fantastic awards with it. Um, at the end of the day, a lot of guys are still saying like, well, if I'm going to invest in it uh, and I want it to be absolutely perfect, um, then I'll spend the extra money and, and get it to be a universal fit. And it's about a third of our, uh, a third of our sales. And that, that kind of surprised me. Um, I, I thought like once we took, once we were able to have a, a, a premium listing experience and something that you could have in two days or three days um, and you know, that it, that it, fit like you didn't even realize anything was in your ear, uh, which I kind of hope, and I, I think it's been your experience of both of you, I kind of thought there would be less interest in the in, in the custom product. Um, and so it was one of those things I was dead wrong with, but uh, at least I was wrong in the right way from a, <laughs> from a manufacturing standpoint. <clears throat> Oh, yeah. So we do. We have a, a full supply. We got two, we got two technology lines. We have a a, a sixty level device, um, and we have a ninety level device. And there's there's a bunch of different technical features through that. But kind of the the take home, the the main differences, and what I think is holds the value. Uh, there's a three hundred dollar difference between the two devices, between the sixty and the ninety. And that ninety level platform. Um, is what we call a, an, an open chip platform, and so we can we can program whatever we want to program on that. So we can program, we can customize it for your specific hearing situation, um, and, and we have a lot of flexibility on how many programs we store on that. The sixty level device um, is not an open chip, so we can't customize that for your hearing loss, um, and so. Customized for your hearing loss is the number one advantage of a 90 level technology. And the second one, because it was an open platform, um, we spent an enormous amount of time in our, in all of our beta uh, project testing and, and beta testing, but uh, on wind noise management. And be, because it's an open platform, we were able to create a, a really awesome algorithm that just shuts down and eliminates any wind noise. And um, the 60 level uh, is, is, as far as wind noise management goes, is, is probably still better than anything else that is on the market um, just because of what a high level circuitry system it is and, and the, the quality of the microphone. 
um, that we can just shut down an enormous amount of the wind on the 60 level, but we can literally cancel it out and eliminate it on the, on the 90 level. And I'll, man, I'll put you on the spot. I hope, I hope that's been your experience. I hope you notice, um, that, I mean, if it's really whipping 20 miles an hour and you look straight into it, you can, you can get some wind noise on that microphone, but for the most part, it should be very, very, very quiet. Yeah, I've definitely never uh, experienced a wind noise issue, so I, I can concur. No, on me that. neither. Me neither. Yeah, it works. It works just as described. <clears throat> awesome. And so there's, I mean, there's, you know, there's 16 bands in the 90 level of processing, and there's 12 bands in the 60 level, and like you can go back and forth on all the technology stuff. I don't. It's important to a point, but again, we try to we try to we try to make sure that there's an important user benefit to a technology. Cause at, at some point you're, you're always going to run the risk. You're, you're either, your technology is going to be changed. Either, either we will change it ourselves. We will upgrade our technology, which is what we're doing every day in our R and D labs, or someone else is going to beat your technology. So the idea of like, you know, you'll never hear us beating our chest that, Oh, we've got 16 bands. Because then all someone has to do is come out with 18 or 20 bands and they beat you. <laughs> it's it's what, what do those 16 bands do for the end user? How do you use those 16 bands, you know, to make real true benefit for the end user? And um, that's where we spend all of our time. And it's not about the magic of the technology. It's like, what, what can it do to improve the life of the, of the guy or the gal who's using it? Definitely. Definitely. Guys, you can find all this. The, the website is tetrahearing.com. So check it out over there. Uh, like I said, they got the different products, all that stuff. You can find it up there. Um, super awesome product and definitely worth protecting your hearing for the future. Um, Bill, man, we could. I think we could talk to you all night. You're such a, <laughs> a well-spoken <laughs> dude and a great storyteller, too. So that's a, that's a, that's a deadly well, combination. <laughs> You, you set the platform up well and you and I appreciate the leash that you that you give us and um it keeps it hopefully your listeners you know find it find it interesting um I, on that note I can't let one thing that that Elliot said in his kind of super cool kind of personal testimony that he gave you know slip by um because it's it's another it's another big part of what we're trying to do in this concept of of bettering people's lives, not just selling the widget. It's not about the widget. It's like, what do we do to, to make people's lives better? And, and Elliot, you, 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 you admitted that you, that you know that you have some hearing loss, you've been hard on your ears and that you feel that there's times when it, when it absolutely bothers you and it, and it, and it makes things difficult for you, but, but you yeah. don't feel that that all the time. Right. Or that, mm-hmm. and God, man, I saw that all the time in clinic and, you know, the idea is that you, you get a young guy, 48, like yourself, that would come in and they're like, man, I'm having trouble here. I'm having trouble with the kids. And we go out and I'm at their, at their sporting events. I can't hear there. I'm out with clients yeah. and I can't hear there. And, you know, my wife's trying to talk to me from one room and I'm in the other room and the TV's gone and I can't hear her and she's frustrated. And, you know, but, it, but when you really kind of look at that, that's maybe like 10, 15, 20% of, of your time and the rest of the 80% mm-hmm. of the time you're, you're, you're quote doing fine. Right. Yeah. And the, the problem with that guys is that you're, 
and this is where all of, and this is part of the cold hard truth. Like, and this is this is where this is where all of the correlation and all the science in the last decade that has come out that ties hearing difficulties and hearing loss to to Alzheimer's and dementia, and and, and it's because the idea is that that little bit of that little bit of loss that you have, and sometimes it, it makes a big problem for you, and sometimes it makes no problem for you, but the loss is always there. And so what the, what the hearing loss is, is your, your inner ear is just like a filter. And, and I think, I think, I think most guys really get it with the idea of like, if you change the fuel line filter, or you change your oil filter, right? If, if you bought a new truck and every 3000 miles, you dump, you drain the oil and you dump new oil in there, but you never, ever change the filter. We all know what's going to happen to that engine, right? Like eventually that filter just clogs up. And that oil can't do what it's supposed to do uh, in the engine. And, and hearing loss in the inner ear is just like it's just clogging up that filter. And so you're, even though it may not functionally be impacting your life all the time, Elliot, what it's constantly doing is it, it's giving your brain less stimulation because that ear isn't able to pick up the sounds and transmit it up to the brain. So the brain doesn't have to deal with it all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's what, what you're getting is you're getting super poor gas mileage. Right? Yeah. I mean, you should be getting 20 miles a gallon, you know, in that new truck, and and you're getting eight miles a gallon type stuff. And it's that overtaxation, um, and the things that happen when you kind of stress the brain out, and when you overtax the brain. Um, and man, that can be a whole. I got a whole bunch of lectures just on how that works. <laughs> But the idea is, well, is, if you kind of think about it, just like poor gas mileage, and it and that's what is creating this correlation with Alzheimer's and dementia, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And one one of the things that bothers me the most, and we talked about this last time you were on a little bit, is that noises, quick noises, I'm not expecting, cause me physical pain. Like a, like when my dog all of a sudden barks. It's not that it annoys me. It literally causes me physical pain inside my head. And that, that was, that was not anything that this has been new within the last five years. It's screeching noises or whistles or whatever. I just recoil against them. They're just so painful. And then that's never been my experience in the past until I've had this hearing loss. And that's, that's one of the most difficult things on a daily basis that I deal with. What you just what you just talked about was was sudden sudden impulse noises and yes. loud and very frequency specific. So all the examples yeah. that you used were very very high pitches, and that mm-hmm. I, I would I would bet every dollar I have that that's exactly where your hearing loss is. And yeah. and, and and sometimes and a lot of times that's uh, that hypersensitivity, you know, the, the fancy scientific name for it is recruitment, and and it's just an oversensitivity, and it'd be like, you know, how sometimes if you get, especially back when we were, we thought we were stud athletes, and and you get a big bruise, you know, a big bruise on your mm-hmm. arm, or your, mm-hmm. and and even though it's kind of healed up, but you could just kind of rub your you rub your hand across that, rub your finger across it, and how sensitive it would be. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 and it's it's in the process of healing. The injury's been done, but yet you still have the nerves have this hypersensitivity to it. Yeah. Um, and so, but it's 
it, it's in the area where you've where you've had your damage. It's it's where your hearing loss has occurred. Um, I can come as close to guaranteeing that without sitting in clinic with you. And I can measure a hearing test. I could do your hearing test. I can see where the loss is, and I could mm-hmm. give you different types of stimuli. And I know what's going to make you cringe. I know I could I could give you a hundred dB of a certain high pitched sound, and and you're going to go nuts. And I'm going to give you 100 dB of a bass tone, and you won't you won't even it won't bother you one bit, because yeah, you haven't had damage on that part of your nerve. I say it's not that it's too loud. That's not the problem. It's that it's physically painful. It's it's not just too loud of a noise. It's it's causing me physical pain. It's different. Yeah. There's a difference in those things. Definitely. So, um, <laughs> like a, a, a quick way to explain that, like what hearing loss does is it creates a it, it, it increase it decreases your sensitivity to hear the sound. So if you kind of picture the graph that we always test hearing on and. And you have uh, you know you have frequencies across the top, and then you and then you have zero dB up at the top, and as you get lower on the page, it goes from zero to a hundred or zero to one hundred and twenty. And on a normal hearing ear that hears like let's pick a frequency at at two thousand cycles, and that's probably one of the frequencies that really bugs you, part of where that dog's barking. In a normal hearing ear that hears at 10 dB and has normal hearing at that frequency, when that sound, when sound goes from 10 dB and you can barely hear it, and then 20 dB and like, oh yeah, I can hear it 30 dB, yeah, that's louder, 40 dB, yep, 50 dB, that's comfortable. In, in psychologically, you have this ability to work sound, you're able to manage sound, and now all of a sudden an 80 decibel dog bark doesn't bother you because your brain has always been stimulated by 20 and 30 and 40 and 50, 60 dB sounds, right? Mm-hmm. Take your ears, Elliot, and let's say that that dog is barking at 70 dB, but yet your hearing doesn't start until 55 or 60 dB. That means you can't hear zero, you can't hear 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 dB, 60 now. Now what is normally quiet at zero is now quiet at 60, but that dog's still barking at 70 or 80. And so that sound becomes too loud too fast. And that's it's the inability for the natural compression system of the ear to kick in and to quiet that down and to have all of the practice, the warm-up of 30, 40, 50 dB sounds that are going on all day long, and you don't hear them. And now all of a sudden you just get blasted with 70, 80 dB. And it's, it's a psychological response, it's a physical response. It's, it's a painful response that you have to it. And, um, and man, you guys just let me get my ear dork on big time. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I was I hoping not too much. No, no, no. I was hoping you were going to just say that Elliot's crazy, but I guess there's a, <laughs> a scientific reason behind it and all that. So, um, no, but you just, he can't stress him out. He needs he needs more time <laughs> off. He needs to hunt and fish more yeah, and yeah, put yes. his boots up a little bit. Man, That's right. man, we're gonna we're gonna have to let Bill uh, send you an invoice for this impromptu doctor appointment. I think, <laughs> Elliot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, again, I think- it's it's your platform. I, I I love that that you let it be because chances are somebody's doing something else. It, with their time right now, whenever they're listening to this, but um, this is how we this is how we make change, and um, and that's what we're trying to do. 
And sure. if, uh, I tell the team all the time, as long as we make the best product, if we change the culture, we'll get our fair share. It's, it's incumbent on us. Let's, let's continue. Let's always make the best product. Let's make the things that aren't on the market. But if we change the culture, if we, if we get, I think the biggest sin in the world probably occurred last, last Saturday that somewhere in Tennessee on opening day of duck season, some young kid, boy or girl walked in on their first duck hunt and they were excited for two weeks and they couldn't sleep the night before. And they finally got to go on the big, on the, on the big boy hunt with, you know, in the big blind with, with all the guys. And they probably walked in there and at, you know, six, seven, eight years old. And they saw dad and uncle and, older brothers and granddaddy and nobody had anything in their ear. There was no hearing protection. I just, I I guarantee it happened somewhere. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, and that little kid just got imprinted and was told subliminally that duck hunters don't protect their ears. And I just, I think that is wrong, 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 wrong. And that's what we're trying to change. And, uh, and it's, it's up to us to build a good product so that you don't have any sacrifices and you can still enjoy everything you love about the hunt. And, um, and you guys have used it. You've seen it firsthand. So. Yep. Awesome. Well, I definitely can say, uh, you know, hearing you talk about, uh, your mission and changing the culture and all that, you're, you're definitely the right spokesman for it. Um, it just, you, you just speak with such conviction, um, about it and it's, you know, it's great. I, I, it's great. I love what you guys are doing and, and uh, the product you guys have for it. Super cool. Um, I think a, a good way to, to kind of wrap this one up, though, is you know, get, getting back to the, the waterfowl. And we'd love to hear um, kind of any plans you got coming this waterfowl season um, f- for the rest of the year. Yeah, you know, um, I've, I've got some uh, – this year I'm super blessed. I've got some, some unbelievably cool – trips planned um uh and kind of the top three uh we, we got invited um by a couple of the executive leaders to do um uh to hunt the final weekend of arkansas with uh with ducks unlimited and it's going to be a, a DUTV program um and they and they kind of want to talk about the stuff that, that we're that we just got done talking about um and then we're uh we put together we're going to introduce it to um, doing a, a writer's hunt, uh, a duck and goose hunt, which I think is going to be super cool. Again, that you get to kind of talk about this and you talk about changing the culture. But the most exciting thing that I that we're doing is uh, it's it's kind of a it's it's a fun hunt and it's uh, it's a couple father son. We're going to Kansas on a big goose hunt in early January, and it's my son and I and his best friend and his dad and. Um, and a couple, couple uh, very young hunters, both young in, in their hunting career, uh, a couple of college kids that just got into it last year, and um, and we're gonna kind of we're gonna build some 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 content and do some stuff there. But it, it to me that's the, the the most important is like that we're gonna be talking about like next generation of hunters, and we're gonna be talking about you know like again stuff we just talked about on how. You know, hopefully, you know, these young 18 to 21 year olds won't be raising their kids with the example that I just gave you. And, um, and so it may not be the, it may not be the best hunt. 
um, but it's probably going to be the most important waterfall hunt of, of my season this year. Awesome. Super cool. Elliot, you got any kind of closing thoughts? No, I, I don't think so. I think it's all been covered. I just urge everyone to get serious about it before it's too late, you know, because it's it will come. The hearing loss will come. And once it's there, you're not going to be happy about it. So take care of it now. And you, five years from now, you get you get the product five years from now, two years from now, whatever. You're not going to regret that money spent. You're just not going to. So it's worth every dime. Awesome. Couldn't have said it better. Uh, well, Bill, we really appreciate you coming on. Again, it's uh, you know, every time we talk to you, it's a pleasure. Uh, definitely, uh, like I said, great storyteller, very well spoken, and uh, your mission and and changing the culture of it uh, is is a super cool one. So, uh, any any kind of last words from you or any uh, any plugs you want to tell people where to go? Oh man, you can you can find us uh, websites, uh, you know, tetrahearing dot com or tetrahunt dot com. Uh, you can get us on Facebook or Instagram. Um, or man, you can call the phone and pick it up. We'll talk your ear off like like I just did. And you you can get William or Matt or Bill or Scott on the phone, and um, there's nothing more than we like. We'll walk you through it. Whether you got questions or you want to, you're interested in buying or you just want to talk about duck hunting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's we, we try to be. We're open twenty four seven. I was I was taking phone calls and answering emails. Uh, on on you know Thanksgiving morning and um and it's just it's just what we do. I know when to shut it off and put it away, um, but it's just we want to be uh, as as accessible as possible. So get to them from you. You I don't you can post you can post this phone number on your on <laughs> as part of the podcast. Jordan. <laughs> I, I don't care. Alrighty, that's that's a okay. little, that's a little bold, but what, 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 you're the you're the boss on this one, so <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right, fellas. Well, that's all we got. Guys, I, uh, I I appreciate it. You do great work. Uh, I love the stuff that you do. I love uh, my son and his buds listening to you. And um, it's, uh, I mean, seriously, it's, that's why I'll make myself available anytime for you. So Sweet. Keep it up. Heck yeah. All right, fellas. Well, that's all we got for tonight. I'm Jordan from Duckman Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and Bill from Tetra. And we'll see you guys on the next one. <laughs>